Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This word in your ear is brought to you thanks to NordVPN. VPN stands for Virtual oh. Private Network. <laughs> Thank goodness you were there. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't have known, would you? Wouldn't have known. Say you it again. slipped your mind completely. Say it again, VPN stands for? I think it's Virtual Private Network. But I'm absolutely 100% confident it is. And you know what that is? That's a way to keep your data safe on the internet to whenever you're logging in, either at home or abroad, Mark. And VPN protects your identity and encrypts your data so that nobody can steal that identity. And at the same time, Mark, there's good news. Go on. We're not just here for the news. we're not just here for the nasty things in life, as the old advert used to say. At the same time, it enables you to access the internet via servers in more than fifty count them fifty different countries. And this means you can often sidestep region restrictions and stream movies and TV programs from all around the world. One of the great things about streaming is, you know, people always, always say to you, oh, you must watch so-and-so, you must watch so-and-so. And I always think, well, I'm in no hurry because that's, I will watch it when I feel like it, you know, when I'm kind of in the mood. It's yeah. all to do with whether, how receptive you are at a particular time. And only recently have I got round to watching something which no doubt loads of other people listening to this are going to go, oh, that was that about a year ago, two years ago. And it's that's like the conversation you and I have about Seinfeld, which I've only started watching. Absolutely. It's really good, by the way. Apparently so, yes. yeah. Anyway, I've just started watching Silicon Valley. Have you seen Silicon no. Valley? It's a kind of sitcom set in the world of Silicon Valley, obviously, of, uh, you know, big earning digital startups in, uh, California. in, uh, in California. And it, it's um, it's not just funny. It's also got a lot of truth in it, truth about business and about how those things function. So I would recommend you to watch that, but take your time. You know, there's no hurry to do it whatsoever. You can get around to it in your own sweet time. There's no compulsion. Silicon Valley, that's my tip. 
Anyway, you can take advantage of a deal where you can try NordVPN by going to nordvpn.com slash your ear or just use the code your ear to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free and a bonus gift. It's risk-free because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Full details, as ever, in the notes below. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Well, I have a stat body in from John Norris. John, who says he's from Newton Le Willows in the Merseyside, says, Pop's, Pop claim to fame, it's the place that spawned Rick Astley. Rightly proud. And he's pointing out that Flaming Lips uh, songs have exotic titles, which are not unlike the preposterously over-the-top and flowery names of some of the dogs that win at Crufts. Oh, yes. So as he puts it, it's good. As he puts it, song by American neo-psychedelic trippy rock gods Flaming Lips or kennel club name of best in show Pampered Pooch. And course You, Dave, have to work it out. Those pooches tend to have the kind of names that nothing else in the world has. They're not called things like Rover. Oh, no, no, not at all. They're called, it's almost like they're flavours of chocolate or something that's like exactly that. Right. It's, it's, that's exactly right. That's what he's identified. Okay. So good. here's a few. Okay. Which, a uh, uh, pop song or pooch, Abraxas <laughs> Audacity. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Very good. Abraxas Audacity. Shall I tell you? Oh, yeah, go on. It's a 19, it was a 1972 bull, English bull terrier. Okay. Fedeludum beetle dot. I'm going to say flaming lips. That's a flaming lips song. Oh, right. From, it was a wild album, guess. King's Mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandstorm Saracen. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Dog, pooch. Yeah, Welsh terrier. Yeah. Sarchel Chicago Bear. Oh, Oh, poodle. Uh, not bad. Irish setter. Hari Krishna stomp wagon. Flaming lips. That is, no, she wouldn't call something a stomp wagon, a dog a stomp wagon. Flaming lips. Uh, Almanza backseat driver. This is very good. Stuff. It's really good, isn't it? This Almanza is backseat driver. That is uh, flaming lips. No, it's a flat coated retriever. <laughs> okay, yeah. Kim's watermelon gun. This is brilliant. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Um, that is Flaming Lips. It's a Flaming Lips song from Cloud's Taste Metallic. And a Ramason Swashbuckler. Oh, my goodness. Pooch. Is, yeah, a German Shepherd. It's very good, isn't it? That is very good. Yeah, you did brilliant. John Norris, thank you so much. Well very, very done, good John. Lovely. Very like good it. work. We approve. Very good work. Yeah. And do pretty- anybody else who has any Stackwaddy suggestions, do send them in. Yeah, if you're just catching up with this, the Stackwaddy game was invented long ago to reflect the fact that there's very little in pop music that you can make up because it long ago you know, became so ludicrous you couldn't make it up. So you pick a category and you say, you know, are these the names of tunes by The Fall or are they the names of, I don't know, Sitcom characters. Sitcom characters yeah. or whatever. Are you being served? Yeah. yeah. And if you've got any of those, send them in to us. So I want to talk to you about. Oh, yes, I know. It was funny. Have you followed the story of uh, standing ovations at the Cannes Film Festival, which has just been taking yes, place? Yes, I have. In the yeah, last it's week. fantastic, isn't it? 
And I never, I never fully realized what a big, what a big thing this is, you know. So people unveil the, the major movies in front of the, the film fraternity at Cannes. And it's generally everybody turns up in a dinner jacket or fabulous evening dress. And, uh, you know, it's usually legendary film director, Martin Scorsese or whatever. And then sort of, Gorgeous young actress who'd only recently been a model, you know what I mean, wearing something absolutely startling. And then grizzled old actor like Robert De Niro or whatever, and then some, some comedian or sports star or whatever. And everybody watches the film and then they come to the front and they get their applause for the film. So applauding a film is kind of an odd thing in itself, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. Uh, and you would imagine it would last you know, a minute or two. But yeah, these, you, this is just ridiculous, isn't it? I'm going to read you a thing that, I, that, that something happened last week. When Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is the new Indiana Jones film starring an 80-year-old Harrison Ford, more than 80, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it recently premiered in Cannes, the camera gave Mads and Mickelson, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Ethan Isidore, Harrison Ford, and director James Mangold each their own moment to bask in adulation. So basically what they do is they start applauding, and then the camera focuses on each individual in turn. So they all get their kind of minute or more, whatever, and then you add it all up. So they each had their own moment to bask in adulation. In the end, trade publications, which have reporters inside the theatre, keep time, clocked the standing ovation at Five minutes. Five minutes. It's quite a long time. And then Variety magazine pronounced it a lukewarm it's reception. Lukewarm reception. That's fantastic, Luke- isn't it? That's poor. Five minutes is poor. You know, the more more standard is like well, ten minutes or yeah, more. No, isn't I just it? looked at some of these. There's a little list of the longest uh, standing ovations. They're fantastic, aren't they? So Martin Scorsese's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is a new one, isn't it? So it was yes, nine zero. minutes. Okay. Nine minutes. Uh, uh, in 2015, Todd Haynes' Carol was 10 minutes. Black Klansman, 10 minutes. Inglorious Bastards was 11 minutes. The Artist, great film, 12 minutes. Bowling for Columbine, 13. Fahrenheit 9-11, 20. And the winner is the longest ovation ever, which is bizarre, actually. It's Pan's Labyrinth, which is interesting because that's a kind of fantasy horror film, isn't it? And yeah. you can see that most of these are quite worthy and important issues, you know, which is what you're kind of applauding. Because it strikes me there's two things about it. One is that people are, are applauding themselves in a way for liking the kind of thing that you ought to like. And also it's their one opportunity if they're uh, just a, a member of the audience or indeed in any way associated with the movie. It's the one way you could actually possibly alter or affect the review because the reviewers all register, don't they? The amount, the the length of those standing ovations, I and suppose it affects so. what they write. So, so obviously, you must have if you're a PR team, you must have a kind of, you know, military operation plan for how you're going to keep this applause going for as long as possible. But it's do you think? Do you think it's also just? Uh, indicates just how much kind of crawling goes on in the world of films. So basically, the actors and the directors, all these major power brokers, they all stand and turn to the audience, and the audience has to stand up. And so the actors can see all those people. So all those people have to keep applauding to make it clear that they really like Martin Scorsese and they'd really like to get an interview next time that his next film comes out. Right, because if you're seen to stop applauding early, that could be registered. You think, well, so then. 
So it made me think, reflecting on this, you know, what's the most kind of two-faced, you know, uh, world? Is oh, it the world? Of, is it the world of films, or is it the world of music? I think it's definitely the world of films. Actually, well, that's a really good point. I I can remember when you and I were involved in various magazine awards, the Empire Film Awards and the and the Q Music Awards, and the difference that was so pronounced between the two is that the Q Awards. Musicians would get up and say horrible things about each other. You know, they would snipe at each other on stage in order to get in the press and promote their own record. But they, because musicians tend to feel, I'm in this band and I'm never going to work with so and so, so I can say what I like and I see them as a rival. That isn't true of the film world at all, is it? No, Nobody will ever say anything remotely controversial about anybody because they want to be seen. <laughs> There's a possibility one day they might be working together. Definitely. So everybody in the in the movie industry says the nicest possible things. And so, yeah, whether or not you're getting a, a true opinion is very hard to ascertain. And also, I think the film industry is a, is a world where you know uh, you can you can convince people, if if only briefly, that some terrible stinker of a movie is quite good in order that you can get a certain amount of money at the opening weekend, which is not true in the music industry. No, I think no. a really terrible record, you have you can hear it for free instantly and make that decision yourself. So that's that. So and Daytime TV, is that, yes, is that two-faced? So, so absolutely, I was going to say, so films are, you know, more two-faced than music, but neither are as two-faced as we've been reminded in the last week as the world of daytime television. As we've seen the well, unseemly to do following the departure of Philip Schofield, where they've all been having a go at each other, haven't they? It's I know, it's fantastic. extraordinary. But then they, again, it's even the greatest uh, actors and professionals cannot keep up the pretense that they've fallen out. You know, I didn't watch any of those things, but I'm sure it was possible to tell that that, uh, that there was just a, an appalling strain in trying to pretend they still got on together. Yeah. You, just can't, you can't deceive people, you know. But my God, what a fallout. Everyone's been so bitchy in me. Absolutely. It's so funny. I, I don't catch those programs very often. It's only when I'm in hotels. I turn on the television yeah, know, yeah. Uh, while running the bath or whatever. And, I, and there's always two people on the sofa. And I always think, my God, is this still going on? Yeah. Two people on the sofa. And cl click, change channel. Another two people on the sofa, change channel. Another two people on the sofa. All giving an idea that all's well with the world, God's in his heaven. And while, at the while at the same time, loof. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you ever see the last uh, the last uh, series, the Alan Partridge series, where he's presenting the oh, yes. television show? Yes. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. That woman that he played opposite, oh, she was fantastic. I wish I could remember her name. So remember. well cast. She, God, she was good. Looked her expressions. She was idiocy, brilliant. Everything about it was perfect. And what was so wonderful is they'd be counted in and just go, okay, five seconds to go. And they'd be looking the opposite way and not talking to each other. And suddenly there they would be with their, with their, their you know, dazzling smiles. You know, I thought, I thought that was just brilliant. It's the brilliant. moment they were off air, they were absolutely at each other, you know. It's really good. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So we're joined by Alex Gold uh, in order to catch up with what's been happening in the world of the Gallaghers this week, Alex. I get the impression it's been a busy week. It has uh, indeed. Uh, Noel has discovered the word disingenuous and yes. has used it to describe his younger brother um, with regards to the uh, the hotly mooted Oasis reunion that's been doing the rounds for, oh God, 14 years now. 
Um, and uh, Liam's sons have been out on a town, haven't they? Um, let's let's go first of all. Yes, with the with the subject of uh, of, of Noel Gallagher. So he gave an interview. On, he was on Talk Sport, wasn't he? Basking in the in the success of of Manchester City. Yeah, Matt, he's obviously. He's obviously now a huge part of the Na- Manchester City PR plan, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Well, he's seen it an of, awful lot. And, in, in, uh, no, but in terms of deflecting the feelings, of, you know, because the impression you get this week in, in, you know, amongst football fans is, well, obviously Manchester City are the best side in the country, obviously, but don't expect me to be thrilled about it, you know, because it's financed by a national state. Exactly. And they've got, they've got 100 charges. 115 financial uh, inaccuracies. Well, which yeah. they're doing absolutely everything in their power to, to keep from court, you know, using all kinds of delaying tactics. But anyway, so... Who's the who's the only prominent face of Manchester City that people feel warmly disposed towards? Noel Gallagher. So off he goes. You know what I mean? D- I, talking I, about that. I've seen him on football programs more than I have on music programs recently. So that says a lot, doesn't it? Well, he's, he's very really good. He's, on them too, he's very good. He's, he's very good on anything. He's yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, you he's chuck fantastic. him on any TV or radio program, he'll be really good. No doubt about it at all. Yeah, yeah. And and so Jim White, you know, raises the subject of, uh, of whether Oasis will uh, get back together again, and quote something Liam said. Uh, I don't. I can't remember what the quote was. But but no yeah, said probably something like it's happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, I really admire No. I must admit, and I like it because he's so honest, isn't he? He doesn't pretend at any point that he doesn't want Oasis to get back together. He does. He does. Yeah, no, and he I actually think. says, which I thought was a pretty big thing to say, that he that he, he imagines that his brother doesn't need doesn't want that to happen. Hence the disingenuous thing. He says he does, but he doesn't. And the reason he does is why would he? Because he can play Nebworth and he's doing really, really well. Oh, that's a really, really honest thing to say, actually. Yeah, yeah but, definitely. I mean, I really admire him that because he could so easily pretend, well, I don't mind if he, he wanted to, you know. But he's saying, no, 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 absolutely. Ring me up. I'm happy. He said, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. Really enjoy. I'm sure he is, you know. But he just thinks, wouldn't it be great? And I admire him for that. I think that's really good. But I admire him for using a word that I've never heard come from the lips of any rock star ever, which is disingenuous. Which he's used deliberately, I think, to to, uh, to, to wrong foot his brother. <laughs> his brother would go and get, what? They've got a long history of that, haven't they? It was that brilliant thing. Do you remember when, when, when Damon Albarn said uh, that they... They, they 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 wouldn't understand a word like acquiesce. Do you remember that he said that in an interview because oh, their vocabularies really? were so limited? So Noel immediately wrote a B side called acquiesce. Which oh was really? Like, Why? Yeah, that, I, I I didn't know that. That's oh yeah. He said that was because Damon Albarn had said something. Like, yeah, they're just so ill-educated, such oiks, you know. They wouldn't understand a word like acquiesce, and so he wrote a song. He listened to that <laughs> that song. It doesn't mean the, the word acquiesce it doesn't, doesn't appear anywhere. Does it? <laughs> it's just called acquiesce. It's oh, really brilliant. funny. That's, that's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. But disingenuous is just calculated to have Liam, Liam just going, what? You know, yeah. you, you, you can almost hear Liam still scratching his head, can't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a cartoon, it's a cartoon question mark, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. I know. So that's what's going on between Noel and Liam. And But as you were mentioning, Alex, Liam's sons have been, as they say in the Evening Standard, out on the town. Explain that, Alex. They've been out in the town celebrating the existence of, well, a bag. 
haven't they? That's yeah. I mean, let's let's not pussyfoot around it. They've been out in the town celebrating these. They've been at Mulberry's twentieth year and a, uh, a celebration of the Bayswater bag. I've I've got to say, I had no idea this bag existed. I had no clue this bag was 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 in this world. So it, surely it can't be that iconic if I haven't heard of it, right? Or, or- so. So this is Liam's sons, who are, let's remind you, called Lennon and Gene, Gene. who are now presumably in their, under their late teens, early 20s or whatever, and, uh, you know, fabulous, you know, uh, fabulous fashionable creatures. They're being uh, celebrated for, sw- for aping their dad's look as well, aren't they? Wearing black, which is a, yeah. obviously a radical thing for young men to do, wear black yeah. leather jackets and black jeans. Um, but they have been, let's be honest, they've been swanning around the town, haven't we? And, and you've got to say that. Swanning is the only word you can possibly use. Yeah. Um, How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. They've been to the uh, the Mulberry Star Studded 20 celebration of the Bayswater bag at the Audley says the Audley knowingly, as if I knew what that was. It's presumably some hotel or restaurant or whatever. Uh, where they were alongside Paul Weller's daughter, Dylan, Charlie Howard, Kalis, and Mikita Oliver. And and you just think, this is like Evelyn War's bright young things, isn't it? For <laughs> brought into the 20th It's like punk so, never happened. It, it really <laughs> is like it's punk It's the greatest never example of that, these privileged kids. Yeah. <laughs> called but, Dylan and called Lennon, you know. Ten, ten English pounds, none of those children have ever gone into their overdraft. No. <laughs> I probably never, none of them been to a state school either. I, one would strongly imagine. It's just absolutely extraordinary. That really is like punk never happened. I, I feel like I've, I've never really seen that quite to that extent before. 
um, you know, because I suppose there's just more money around nowadays yeah. than ever before. What were you doing today, uh, dear boy? Well, I was out toasting an iconic accessory. <laughs> <laughs> the other interesting thing about that piece, I, I thought, was that the two uh, two Gallagher boys are, are, are wanting to look exactly like their father. Yes. You know, the biggest problem for the sons and daughters of, of well-known parents is often that association with their parents, that it's really hard to get out from under their shadow and do something on your own, you know. But the, clearly in this case, is they, they, they are inviting that uh, that uh, connection, aren't they? By, by I, dressing just like, by looking like and having the same hair and the same, but, you know. Same, I suppose the strange thing about Liam, though, is he still has this cross-generational appeal, Mm. There are so there are loads of twenty somethings at his at his gigs as well as the fifty somethings and yeah. I think that, that that's really interesting. So you know maybe that's that has some kind of influence. And, you know he's not kind of totally removed from their generation. So perhaps there's there's some kind of trendy yeah. sense in them following, following. Is it not also the case though they're passing through that stage of life where the the, the stage that just about every kind of attractive offspring of a rock star goes through. Where they model for whoever, yes, yes, Prada, or they become the face of some fragrance or whatever. Yeah. So then, for the next ten years, they can be described as model and son of so and so. Even activist, activist. Yeah. Well, because if you're, you know, if you're a big fashion brand, the best thing in the world is is to have the you know the the grand. Child of Mick Jagger or whatever, as the as the face of your um, of your new line or whatever, because you get you get the heritage of the original you know name, and it's attached to somebody younger and, uh, and more more vibrant and you know fashionable. It it just happens with all of them. It used to happen with Jade Jagger many many yeah, it did. Ago. Before she got involved, before in she got involved with blokes stuffing up waiters, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. allegedly. <laughs> anyway, more from the world of the Gallagher's next week. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. I was walking past a record shop in the West End of London the other day, and I was looking at the records in the window, and there is a copy of Return of Django by the Upsetters. Uh, you may be familiar with this record. I remember it came out in 1969, I think. came out in 1969 and kicked around in bargain bins and so forth for just about all of the 70s and into the 80s. And it was probably reissued. I think it was on Trojan. And Trojan was were never known for the kind of uh, lavishness of their packaging or their premium pricing or anything, you know. So they tended to have stickers just saying, you know, 17 and 6 or whatever, you know, £2.45. But this is on sale in a special audiophile vinyl version for, Mark, deep breath, £29.99. So what would that originally have been? What would that have retailed for? Well, I posted uh, 14 this... And 14 shillings? I posted this on Twitter and said, I can't get over seeing this record at this price. And it used to be in every bargain bin. And it really did used to be in every bargain bin. Uh, and Ronnie Golden, who, was, who we actually had a guest on Word in, Word in Your Attic, didn't we? Ages yeah, ago. right from the Fabulous Poodles. Yeah. Yes. He said he thought it was 14 and 11, <laughs> which... 
I've no reason to to you That'd know to, right. to disagree with them. And so I worked out what fourteen and eleven from old money, what it is in new money, and I think I'm right in saying, Mark, it's seventy four pence. Seventy four pence. Yeah, and I I I looked at the rate of exchange, and I think a hundred pounds in nineteen sixty nine would buy you is the equivalent of £2,100 today. I'm pretty sure. Right. But even that would mean that that record would be £14.70, not £29.99. That's incredible, isn't it? And I just thought about, listen, it's not going to, you know, it's only going to sell like six copies to kind of collectors or record store day fans or whatever. It, it kind of doesn't matter one, one way or another. But it made you think, how likely is it that any of the people who were involved in originating that record in 1969 in any way participate in that £29.99? Absolutely. I would have thought very, very unlikely. And also, audio vinyl, vinyl kind of only makes sense if you sort of, presumably if you're going back to the master tape and you're, and you're remastering the thing and you're repressing it and so forth. I find it hard to believe that they'd gone back to the to the tapes of that of that record. I, I don't know if you'd even find the tapes of that record. That's a long time ago, isn't it? This was made in nineteen sixty-eight. So that's a new pressing, right? Yeah, presumably, yeah, got to be audio final final. So don't, somebody's remastered it. You know, presumably they remastered it from that a digital weird, version. So you'd think that the collectability of getting an original one, you can see the value of that. You know, well, the it, antique value, the fact it's an original thing, it was 1969, it's a bit weathered, it's oh, yeah, character. But here's the point. It, uh, Trojan Records, we, we used to buy back in the day, they were they were, they came pre-weathered. They were already like, really yeah, cheap yeah. and cheerful, even back in the day. Yeah. You know, they were always warped and so forth. Yeah, they, yeah. they never paid for the most expensive press, pressing at all. So the idea that you suddenly... You reproduce that in something that feels, you know, pristine and heavy and perfect. Just seems absolutely extraordinary. So anyway, that's Return of Django. £29.99 to you, Mark Ellen. I don't think you'll be mine. A snip. Yes. We've also been looking at a picture taken in the in the light of the, the sad death of, of Tina Turner. Looking at a picture taken of the we Prince's have, yeah. Trust. The picture Prince, of the Prince's yeah. Trust. Uh, I can't remember which year it was, but it, it's got all the ages of the people on it. And it just really struck me as interesting how, how you know, Howard Jones in this picture is 31, <laughs> Midgeur is 32. They seem young. And yet Phil Collins is 35, Francis Rossi at 37, Rod Stewart at 41. Tina. That seems a completely different generation. Isn't that strange? It is. Somehow there's just something in that little gap between them that means that Phil Collins is one of the oldies, and that mid-year is one of the young people. In fact, there's only three years' age difference between them. And uh, and Tina Turner, who was probably the most senior person on that on that picture, is that right? She was. She and was how 46. old was she? She was 46. was 46. So Paul McCartney was what 44? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, was, yeah. She was born in 39, wasn't he? And he was born in 42. So yeah, he would have been 43 or something like that. I think. Yeah. Astonishing. Yeah. The word podcast. Clearly, there is no plan. We were talking about Martin Amis last week. Uh, who sadly died, uh, whose death was announced a couple of a week or so ago. And I was reading a thing in the New York Times by one of their critics, A.O. Scott, who was 
yeah, talking about Martin Amos. And he said, uh, he, he admired Martin Amos, many things to admire about him. And he said, but he hadn't always enjoyed or approved of him. <laughs> and that really brought me up short and made me think how odd it is to have the word approve used in the context of an artist, I suppose. And yet that seems to be the way that people talk about them increasingly nowadays and when i look back when i look back when i'm mending my nets at the seashore Mark, <laughs> filling a pipe and looking back uh and when i think about you know all, all the records i've liked or not and all the books i've enjoyed or not and all the films i've seen or not um the question of whether i approved approved of the person behind them kind of never came up because approval seems to me like a kind of head teacher's word, you know, expressive of kind of head teacher's attitude to people. Um, you know, there's a kind of moral component of it isn't there, in the there word is. approve. It's not as I, you know, there are times I've liked him more than other times, or there are times I've enjoyed the books more than other times. But I've never sat back and go, well, do you know, now I'm starting to slightly disapprove of Martin Amis or whoever it is, you know. And I wonder, when did that start? When did becoming, that start? I know. I mean, it really struck me with the with the, the death of, of Tina Turner, the way the coverage was, you know, everybody had to say, had to describe Ike as her abusive husband. Yeah. In fact, there were pieces about how people liked her music despite her abusive husband, about how her legacy was really was talking openly about abuse. Now, that's fine, you know, and that's the way the world is tilted now. I totally understand that. But everyone is so, so acutely aware of what they themselves believe in and what they represent, that they have to be absolutely sure that the people they approve of don't have any characteristics that might upset that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and there's okay. two levels, you know, there's the level of, of the, of, you know, Picasso and Eric Gill and all that, where people are thinking, well, gosh, do we just completely ignore their art altogether? But even on the level of people like JK Rowling or James Corden or Will Smith or, Mel Gibson or the Arcade Fire or whatever, you know, it, it, you can't really talk about those people now without making some comment about what they might or might not have been accused of doing. Do you know what I mean? It, you're, yeah. you're, you're obliged. You know, I think you just say, oh, I really love the JK Reddy. You'd have to say, well, I personally really like them. And I understand that a lot of people just have got an issue with them. Yes. You've got to say, you've got to acknowledge it. You've so. got to put that bit in comma, between commas. Yeah, you have. You? <laughs> While I don't approve of so Yeah, absolutely. I would like to I make it I did enjoy the second book very much. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. Absolutely clear. Yes, I would like to make it clear. Before I say anything about Manchester City or Martin Amis or James Corden or anything, you know, the yeah. I'm one of the good guys, okay? Yeah, yeah. So no, don't I ever Manchester, go No, me. I understand Manchester City have done some financial things that are a little bit suspect, but they play great yeah. football. And it's that whole thing is separating that. I think one of the interesting cases is John Lennon, because John Lennon, by the standards, if you put the slide rule, the contemporary oh, slide rule, up God. against John Lennon, you know, very, very bad father, deserted his son, moved to America without even telling his son he was doing it, then didn't speak to him for three years, um, you know, fought men and women, mugged a sailor. Do you remember that story? It happened? Yeah, mugged yeah. a sailor and robbed him. Incredibly cruel, mocked 
the disabled. Absolutely, you know, I mean, yeah, John Lennon. I mean, yeah, but I think it's really interesting that there's there's a counter a counter argument constantly reminding us of what a terribly loveless uh, childhood he had. And there was a lot with the you know, the Tina Turner robe. It's quite rightly you know, Tina Turner's mother deserted her when she was eleven. Her father deserted her when he was when she was thirteen. You know, she had a really really tough time. But in Len's case, you're constantly being reminded of that because nobody wants to in any way, tarnish the memory of John Lennon because John Lennon's music is so important. Don't you think? I think he's yeah. a really interesting test case, actually. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. and my feeling is you've got to separate these things out. You know, we've had this conversation before. I mean, I, you know, I, I would much rather, as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a consumer of his music, that he was writing Strawberry Fields Forever than that he was at the school gates on time waiting to pick up his son from school. You know, I, I want to, you know, I just assume that anybody who's excelled in any kind of art form dedicates 90% of their life to doing that. Yeah, and that's do. just the way it is. You know, just got to accept it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. There, I, there was, um, uh, Ian Leslie wrote a thing about Martin Amos and, uh, you know, how he'd, he'd gone and read the Rachel papers. Yeah. After his death, and he said, it's immoral, unpleasant, shameless, indefensible. It brings out the worst in me. I adore it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I I completely sympathize with that. I've been reading a load of Evelyn War again in the, in the last week, and Evelyn War must have been a pretty unpleasant person. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He was a snob. He was vindictive. He was, we probably regard him nowadays as racist or whatever. But I, there's, I've never read Evelyn War without utterly enjoying him. You know yeah. what I mean, and 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 also liking the idea that he was saying things that then and now would be regarded as, forgive me, buzzword, transgressive. Yeah, and and I think I don't know if it was Ian Leslie or it might be James Mary in the Times who wrote a thing about um, Martin Amos also, pointing out that Martin Amos. You know, he wouldn't be on television right now. You know, I mean, Martin Amos used to go on television and say, well, basically people are stupid, things like that. You know I mean? He wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't you be. can't. You're not allowed to say that. Yeah, 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 all stuff about Islamic terrorists. And well, yeah, I was, uh, that's admittedly and, you know. very controversial. But, I mean, he was, uh, he was saying, oh, somebody said, do you think you'd ever write a children's book? He said, well, only if I had brain damage. Which oh, is God. And you think, well, he said that, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got, and and now you literally can't go near absolutely anything like that. No, you couldn't. Absolutely at all. No, and to book somebody who'd said something like that in the past would be an indication that you you didn't appear to object to it, which says something about you. It's so complicated. But yes, that headline, I forget which paper it was in. Uh, It might have been The Guardian. You know, it's okay to like Ike and Tina's early records, you know, despite... You know, it's the idea that you were listening to not Bush City Limits and just to remind yourself that the, the person playing the rhythm guitar was a thoroughly bad hat. Let's be clear about yes. that. You know. So what do we supposed to do? Go back through every record you listen to. I'm listening to the Benny Goodman Orchestra here, and I should point out that the second saxophone was a wife beater. You know what I mean? And therefore... Yeah. Yeah, sound yeah, of just, record being ripped off turntable <laughs> with scratch of needle <laughs> in the just, bin. 
It's just insane, you know. So, you know, you can't approve of people. Yeah, Bob Dylan was Bob Dylan. It was Bob Dylan's birthday this week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, how old was he? 82? He 82. is 82. That's right. 82. And, you know, the amazing thing about Bob Dylan, as we keep remarking, is he's been part of our lives for so long and we know no more about him really. Nothing. That we, we did day one. It's just a, a remarkable quality. You know, I've met him and I wouldn't... And that know, wasn't illuminating, was no, it? No, but people, people say, you know, is he a nice guy? How the hell do you know? You know no what idea. I mean? And it's because Bob Dylan has put all his energies in his life into being Bob Dylan, actually. Yeah. And actually, to be fair... Going back to your point you were making earlier about John Lennon, <clears throat> he was a good father when his children were young, wasn't he? Yeah, he and was, There's every indication, you know, he kind of gave up for a while and, you know, yeah, spent, like, spent, a lot, Absolutely. spent a lot of time with them. And actually, when I was with Bob Dylan, this is a long time ago, his children were all there. And they, you know, they were teenagers at the time, you know, so they sought his company. They did. You know, so there was a time not long ago when he was living with one of his kids, and he did do this, give this little interview. And he was talking about how he gets up in the morning, and this, I think it might be Jesse, I can't remember. And they were both working, and there was just the two of them in the house. And they would get up in the morning, and they said, they said What are you talking about? He said, Well, when we meet in the morning, we talk about what we might have for lunch. And then we go off and uh, do our work, and then we meet and eat our lunch, and then and then we talk about what we might have for supper. <laughs> we just, like, oh, this was just lovely. And then you, know, so actually, the Bob Dylan is not being Bob Dylan. It's quite possible that he just goes and does a bit of spot welding and mooches about and sits in a deck chair and reads a you know a PG Woodhouse. I don't know what he does, but you know, again, it's a complete mystery, isn't it? We and then I've, um, I've, my feeling is the uh, when he's at a loose end, he just rings up his manager. And says, "How can we make some money today?" You know? Yes, <laughs> what offers have come in? You know what I mean? To star in a film or yes. being, an, being an underwear commercial the or Victoria's whatever. Victoria's Secret, I'll take it. That's <laughs> right. I'm at a loose end this afternoon. How much are they paying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Bob Dylan. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.